0: Welcome to A
1: Free Solution. Welcome, everyone, to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you being here. We're live here on WYSL, which means that you, the listener, can participate in the conversation. If you listen to us live today, give us a call 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Or leave your comments online on the Free Solution Facebook page, the Kevin Wilson Facebook page, a free solution on YouTube or my Twitter, any one of those. Leave your comments. Happy to bring those into the discussion if you have something good to say. So also shout out down the line to our friends there at WACK out in Newark and WENY, the Patriot down Southern Tier. Appreciate y'all listening here as well. And today we're going to talk about, I got like a few things on We'll 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 see how the show goes, but we're going to talk about... The Biden administration's threat to the right of self-defense, uh, another threat to the right of self-defense, this one taking place at more of a local level, and, and in the implementa- implementation of what gun policy might look like on a national level, and, and how it ends up impacting people, and and hurting the very people that the Biden administration claims they want to protect, we'll get into that in a minute, and then after that, if we run out of steam on that, we'll talk about uh, Pete Buttigieg's comments that infrastructure is racist. That 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 highways are racist. I I think they I think they're that's something that's worth examining. Let's let's talk about is are are the roads racist? And and just as a as a libertarian who who hates roads, I don't know, maybe they are. All right, we'll we'll talk about that uh towards the end of the show, but first I want to talk about what's going on with the Biden administration with the with the new gun proposals that he's bringing up. So there's a a couple there's a couple proposals that he's putting out there. And and really if you look at what this is well, a lot of what this is—if you are a fan of the New York State Safe Act and all the other gun legislation that's come through New York State—well, Joe Biden's bringing a lot of that to the national level. Yes, the arbitrary rules uh, and <laughs> and red flag laws and different violations of, of of your right to self-defense that aren't actually going to solve the gun violence problem. And and let's let's get that part out of the way first. Like all of this stuff. And hopefully, you'll be convinced by the end of this. And this isn't—I'm going to do this pretty briefly. I suspect that Larry is also going to be talking about this topic this week too, but we'll see. This will not solve gun violence problems. It is a complete show to show his progressive base that, that he's doing something about guns. That's it. That—that's all it is. It is—is is virtue signaling that will hurt. American citizens and make it harder for you to exercise your right to bear arms. So I'll kind of run down the list of proposals, what they're going to do, and how effective they might be for actually solving the problems. And before we get into this, I also want to say like, I know some some of you are thinking like, gosh, darn it, Biden, we knew that he was going to implement gun laws. This is why I wish that Trump was still present. Nonsense. Trump used executive orders to ban bump stocks. He was one of the first presidents to take extreme executive action on limiting your right to bear arms. Maybe you don't care about bump stocks, but Joe Biden is just extending that. The Republicans and the Democrats are not your friends on guns. I'm sure there are some Republicans who are good on 2A, but President Trump was not. He, he, was, he was bad on that issue, and he took executive action on guns. We wouldn't have been any better if he was in, uh, in office. But we got Joe Biden, who is uh, gung-ho about this issue. And, and I, I'm already getting a comment says, no amendment is absolute. And yet that's probably one of the most alarming statements that th- – thank you, Jamie, commenting on Facebook. That's probably one of the most alarming statements that Joe Biden said. He said that no amendment is absolute. Therefore, we can justify restrictions on the right to bear arms. And, and it's funny because he, he says that like this was a restriction that we have restricted the Second Amendment since, since the beginning. He said from the very beginning, the Second Amendment existed. Certain people weren't allowed to have weapons. Yeah, you know, slaves, uh, Native Americans, uh, you know, people who were vulnerable and were abused by the state. I mean, like, what? What a wild argument for gun control! Yes, oh so, yeah. Remember, we, we always used to restrict the the Second Amendment. We made it hard for people to, to own guns. Yeah, slaves, uh, free black men and women, uh, and other marginalized groups. Yeah, those are the type of people who weren't allowed to own guns. Is that really a great argument for what you're trying to do here? Does that make you? Does that make you feel warm and fuzzy that we can trust our government to take away our guns and we're all going to be just fine? It shouldn't. It should set off alarm bells. So let's talk about the the proposals then. Right. So so one of the proposals is, and I'll read off of their their fact sheet, the White House fact sheet. The Justice Department within 30 days will issue a proposal rule to help stop the proliferation proliferation of ghost guns. And and basically these are, you know, the the different kits that you can buy. You know, like. You, her determinedly like 80% lowers, and, and people are going to, people are buying these kits that they can then turn into, you know, a gun uh, by, you know, just doing different modifications of those. Here's the thing about that if you are a criminal and you want a gun that you are doing some of the manufacturing yourself on, and you intend to commit a crime with that gun, Legislation at this level is not going to stop you from doing that. There's there's nothing you can do, the government can do, to prevent bad people from getting guns. Now, they could buy pre manufactured guns, they you know, go buy them at, at a store, or in the black market, whatever. Criminals find a way. And at some point in time, you say, okay, we're going to ban these kits. Well, they're going to change the kit slightly, be in compliance. And at some point in time, the government's just going to have to ban hunks of metal and pipes. <laughs> Uh, to to prevent these gun kits from being in the hands of criminals, but but here's here's the thing: again, criminals, they're going to be able to just get this stuff. They're going to figure it out. If you really are committed to 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 doing crime, you're going to figure out a way to manufacture guns and to make guns that are hard for the government to trace back to certain buyers and sellers, or you just steal guns. That, that's what what happens a lot particularly in in this state is people just wait for gun owners to carelessly leave, you know, their guns in the cars unlocked and they take them. And that happens way too often. You guys should make sure you lock up your guns <laughs> when you're not using them. Uh and, and not leave them in an unlocked car. That's very stupid. So that that's one of them. Not going to do a thing. Just just a a way of uh, of taking a scary term ghost guns and, and showing progressives that he is doing something about it. Complete nonsense. The other one is the pistol arm braces. So in the Colorado shooting, the the shooter had used a pistol arm brace. Uh, The rule is going to change so that you have to register that pistol arm brace and pay $200 tax in order to do that. This is a a creative interpretation of the National Firearms Act. probably won't really do much to actually change mass shootings. most mass shootings take place with with just pistols and and they're not using a pistol brace. Pistol brace, for those of you don't know, it just basically makes it easier to to shoot a little bit more accurately. But a lot of mass shootings are done with pistols, without wearing a brace, and you know, they're you know, it's taking place in gang shootings and and uh in other like, you know, mass shootings related to like different conflicts that exist. It's usually taking place with just just normal pistols, which again, if you're a criminal and you want to get a pistol, you can find a way to do it. That's how it often happens. So, what they're doing is is before, the 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 pistol brace was just you know an accessory, for Because this is why I I kind of thought the Safe Act of doing this because oh we're going to arbitrarily like make accessories harder to get or you know, <laughs> reclassify them in a new way without actually doing anything substantive to stop gun violence. And so they, the, the National Firearms Act de- defines a rifle as a weapon designed or redesigned, made or remade, and intended to be fired from the shoulder. Basically, the Biden administration is saying that now a pistol brace is going to be reclassified because it could, in theory, be you know, employed as a, a shoulder stock. And, you know, but before, you know, they, they would say, no, this is just an accessory to a pistol. Uh, it's clearly not intended to be fired from shoulder, but they're going to redefine that. They're going to arbitrarily redetermine that this is some new thing and say that it's going to now be regulated in a new way. Again, this is a new thing. The Trump administration did this; they they reclassified rifles with a bump stock as machine guns. This isn't an unheard of tactic. But the Biden administration—they're learning from that. They say, "Oh, the the gun owners—they they let Trump get away with that. They'll let me get away with it too." Hmm. Yeah, the the gun owners list to show that the the Democrats don't think don't think you care. You let Trump get away with it. Why shouldn't he too? All right. When we come back, we'll keep talking about uh, the Biden administration's action on guns, and then. Kind of a closer to home threat to your right to self defense. All right, we'll be back here on A Free Solution in a few minutes. A Free Solution. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host today. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you being here and listening today. Again, we're live here on WSL until 1 p.m. So if you want to give us a call, 585 346 3000. That's 585 346 3000 or comment on one of our streams online. And, you know, Joe uh, says, Didn't Trump do an executive order to ban bump stocks? Yes, uh, bump fire stocks. Yeah, yeah, he did. And and that's why, you know, I, I bring it up. I'm not. I don't think Trump was good on the second amendment. I don't think we, we would win either either way. Trump was subject to populist pressures on this issue. He's always been kind of sympathetic to the gun control side. I think the only way we would have gotten a a strong pro-2A uh, president is, is – uh, if if you vote for Joe Jorgensen, who is uh, very pro-2A. It's kind of scared of people a bit. So that's what it is. And – so now we got we got Joe Biden trying to do a a few different actions and I think that the big three is the uh the ghost guns again you, criminals can get around it unless are you going to totally monitor everyone monitor every piece of metal every pipe every 3D printer for ghost guns no people can get around it like you have to find different ways that's not going to be the way to stop gun violence like if if you are really determined to make a gun you can do it. That might not be a good one, but you can do it. Uh, and then the, the stabilizing brace, the pistol braces, by creative reinterpretation of the National Firearms Act, not unheard of. Trump also you know, creatively reinterpreted the law to suit his needs on, on gun issues as well. So we have a precedent. The, the gun community didn't uh, fight it. Back when that happened, I don't care how you feel about gun stocks, like or bump stocks. That's something, an action that set a dangerous precedent. I didn't like it. We talked about it on the show. And then there's the red flag laws. Now, this is something that you know we, we've talked about in the context of New York State too. You know, and in, in, I'll just quote from the Biden's White House release here: Justice Department within 60 days will publish model red flag law legislation for states. Red flag laws allow family members law enforcement to petition for a court order temporarily barring people in crisis from accessing firearms if they present a danger to themselves or others. The president Congress to pass an appropriate national red flag law as well as legislation incentivizing states to pass red flag laws of their own. And uh, in the interim Justice Department published model legislation will make it easier for states that want to adopt red flag laws to do so. And this – seems incredibly dangerous to try to do this on national scale because we're not even so sure that red flag laws are actually making the impact that the proponents say they are. They're saying, you know, D- is there a change in suicide? Does this actually prevent serious crimes from happening? And then what is the due process for this? The process in New York State is murky and unclear. You know, if someone, you know— uh, calls the police, gets an order for a red flag confiscation from you, what is the due process for clearing your name? If some, what's the due process, too, for making sure that these requests aren't made in bad faith? Are these requests made to remove the firearms from someone who is in legitimate danger, someone who is being stalked, someone who is in a domestic abuse situation? Uh, someone who just has other reasons for self-defense. What what is the the process for making sure that that doesn't happen? What's the process for making sure that if someone does have their guns taken away, if uh, if if a judge or whoever does that, how do they get it back? You shouldn't have to prove your innocence, but like that that's that's a practical question we have to answer. And how do you know that this type of legislation? doesn't discourage people who need mental health support from seeking it out because they're worried that medical professionals, family members, and others might encourage uh, might, might, might go get the government to take their guns away? How do you prevent that type of stuff from happening? You may leave mental health issues untreated for longer, let them fester for longer because you are threatening to take those away. There needs to be a clear, simple process for, for that happening. And I don't know that that good process is going to come from the state. There's so many problems with how it's being implemented in in New York and Connecticut and other states. Why do we want to bring this to the national level? I mean, I, I have less – I don't like it, but I have less of an issue of them saying we want model legislation. All right, make your case in model legislation. It's still bad. I'm going to fight that. But, but passing a national leg, red flag law. I can't see any way in which that would be constitutional. Not that these guys care about that, but no way in which it's constitutional. And and we are still learning all the ways in which this has negative, unforeseen impacts on the people who are living under these new red flag laws. Not only for the Second Amendment, but also for people getting mental health treatment and understanding what the dynamic between those two are, and for due process as well. And for people who need access to firearms for their own personal safety, like, and I, I'm hoping that I can appeal to the reason of any gun control advocates out there listening right now. Who knows if you are, but, but that that's the practical considerations. In addition to the fact that I feel like this is a violation of our right to self-defense, and I I don't particularly like that. But there's also the the, the practical side of this. And actually, with with this whole uh, gun control speech too, uh, there. <laughs> Actually, CNN did a pretty good like fact check. Which surprised me too of Joe Biden talking about this. And I'll, I'll just run through those real quick because I, I find them. I find it interesting that that they called this out. And I'll, I'll share the link in the uh, in the comments uh, for those listening online. If you're listening on the radio in your car or whatever, go back and check the Facebook page later. Make sure you go and like a free solution. You can follow us there. I usually post my links in the comments or where as posts afterwards, so you can know what I'm looking at. Um, And I'll run through the the quick fact checks on those issues. And one, it's Joe Biden said that the only industry in America, a billion dollar industry that can't be sued, has exemptions from being sued, are gun manufacturers. This isn't true. I know it's not true. You know it's not true. Gun manufacturers can, in fact, be sued. They can't be held liable for a crime committed with their product. Uh, There's... A a case that might be going to the Supreme Court uh, against Remington Arms uh, related to Sandy Hook. Well, you know, that's that that had gone up to the Supreme Court. However, you can be sued. It's just they're liable for, you know, negligence and manufacturing, uh, breach of contracts, uh, damages related to like if, if you are using a firearm and it malfunctions in a way that is the responsibility of the gun manufacturer. You can sue them for that. They're, they're liable for that stuff. But if if you buy a gun and then you commit a crime with it, you can't go sue the gun manufacturer for that. Uh, there are other industries that are also not liable. Uh, vaccine manufacturers, for instance, they're not liable for injuries. Which I know people message me about all the time. But there's a, a public fund to to access uh money if you're injured by a vaccine uh and that's i'll do a whole episode on that one time but there are other the point is that there are other industries where this is happening and gun control gun manufacturers are liable for certain things but they're no more liable for someone committing a crime with their product than uh you know, kitchen, kitchen supply manufacturers are liable if someone uses a knife made in their facility to stab someone, because that would be ridiculous. No reason for that. All right, the this is a, a big one. Uh, gun show, gun show loophole. Right. Let's talk about that real quick. Uh, Joe Biden says, you know, you can just go into a gun show and and, and buy a gun and, and says, and I'll say, quote. Uh, but you can go to a gun show. You can buy whatever you want, and no background check. Folks listening are like, that, "That's that's obviously not true." <laughs> yeah, if you go to a gun show, you know you are still doing the uh, you know the, the FFL check. You're still doing the NICS check. You're still doing all, you're still doing all that stuff. Under federal law, there's some ways in which you know a private seller can uh, sell a gun to someone without running through that system. So under federal law, it doesn't require every private seller who's not. Selling frequently to do that, uh, if you're selling in state, for some states, uh, but that private seller still can't knowingly sell that gun to someone who can't legally own a gun. So it's it's complete nonsense. You know th- this is the the silliest talking point that's so easy to easily debunked when progressives say this. Like just knock it down. That's nonsense. Whenever someone starts talking about that, just you, you know they're not. They have no idea what they're talking about. Um, so, so those, those are a couple of the the ones there. Uh, and when we come back, I'll talk about talk about that other threat to the Second Amendment uh, that I had mentioned in the opening segment. Uh, but if you have any questions, if you have any other things that I need to bring up about the Biden gun control executive orders that are coming down the pipe, give us a call, five eight five. That's 585-346-3000. We'll be back with more here on A Free Solution in a few minutes.
0: Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simpletech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simpletech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simpletech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website.
1: A free solution. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host of today. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you being here. We're live here on WYSL until 1 p.m., which means that you can call in or leave your comment. Call in at 585 346 3000. That's 585 346 3000, or leave your comment online on A Free Solution, the Facebook page, A Free Solution, the YouTube channel, or one of my Kevin Wilson ones. You can comment there too. We got his treatment over there. Shout out down the line to our friends over at WACK out in Newark and W E N Y, the Patriot down the Southern Tier. Appreciate y'all listening here as well. All right, so uh, I'm gonna shift gears slightly. And and I'm gonna come back to the Second Amendment thing. But I'm gonna explain a situation that it started to make some national news. And I'm I'm a little bit bothered by the way some conservatives talked about it, right? So th- this you might have seen it. There's the uh, the thing that happened down in Virginia actually happened back in December. There is a, a US Army officer, Lieutenant uh, Corona uh, Nazario. He was uh, driving a newly purchased vehicle, newly purchased Chevy Tahoe. He had his temporary plates driving through Virginia and these officers tried to pull him over. You know, he drove over to a well-lit area before this happened because he was, he was a little bit worried about how the police were going to, to react and treat him. So he pulled over. You can clearly see that the temporary plates in his window. You know, when he pulled over to the gas station, uh, allegedly they had, they had pulled him over because you know they couldn't see his plates. But you know, he had temporary plates in there, which is perfectly legal to do. And if you watch this video, there's two police officers who who come in. Uh, this guy, the uh, the lieutenant, is in in his uniform, right? Like you can see him. He, he's you know in his uniform you could tell he's uh active duty service member uh, and his officers. Uh there's uh Joe Gutierrez. He immediately pulls his gun out, like they, he pulls his gun out, starts yelling at him to get out of the car. You know, this is a a traffic stop, right? But pulls his gun and yells him to to start getting out of the car. And uh the uh, lieutenant Lazario he has his hands out the window. They tell him to keep his hands out the window. The tenant's, like, worried because, you know, this, this police officer's fired up. And, he, you know, uh, the, the Zario's like, hey, what's this about? Can you tell me what this is about? And the police officer just yelling at him, screaming at him, you know, get out of the car, get out of the car. And he's like, hey, you know, w- w- let, just tell me what's going on. What am I being pulled over for? Uh, what What's actually happening here? You know. I'm showing you my hands, but just just tell me what's going on. I don't want to get out of the car. And I I can't blame him. The guy's fired up, and he doesn't want to look like he's doing anything sketchy. That's going to get him shot. Now, the officer responds to that with, you know, what's going on? You're fixing to ride the lightning, son. I mean, what an inappropriate way of doing that. (laughs) And... You know, he's also, you know, like, the guy's like, hey, I, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a service member, I'm, you know, I'm not going to get out of the car, but I'm showing my hands, can you just tell me what's about? And the police officer's trying to say, like, well, I'm giving you an order, you got to get out. Dude, that guy doesn't have to obey your orders, come on. <laughs> you don't, it's not what happened, like, you, you have certain rights in these situations, you don't have to listen to everything that police officer says, you have a right to, you know, due process in... in in these situations, right? You're not due process, but you have a you have a right to say that you don't want an officer in your car if they don't have any good reason to do that. This, this officer didn't state any reason for that. Just said, get out of the car. The lieutenant, and you could, there's a whole video of this. So there's there's uh, body cam footage of this. Uh, the lieutenant is just like, no, I'm not going to do that. So what's the officer do? Goes up, pepper sprays him in the eye. And you know, at that point, the lieutenant's relatively calm for what is a terrifying situation. You got a guy, you know, with a gun in your face, yelling at you to get out, and he's just trying to be like, well, "What is this about?" And you got a dude with a gun in your face, and pepper sprays him in the face, and it's like, "Hey, you got to get out." Guy also, the Nazario uh, also had his dog in the car apparently too. i Was saying that, and the dog would, you know, got pepper sprayed as well. You know, yelling at him, and you know, uh, of course, the Nazario's terrified at this point. I'm terrified throughout the entire process, and and he's like, hey, I can't get out. I, you know, I have my seatbelt on. I I need, I I don't want to reach for my seatbelt. And you know why? He's thinking of of people like Philando Castile, who, you know, was just trying to, to, to get his license, and he got shot. So he's trying to be very careful not to get shot here. Trying to be very polite, trying to explain to the police officer what's going on. And no matter how calm he's being, no matter how compliant he's being, other than, like, not getting out of the car for the man waving a gun in his face, the situation keeps escalating. Trying very hard not to get shot. Doesn't want to look like he's reaching over too quick to unbuckle his seatbelt. And shout out, Still not being told what's happening here. And... So this is a terrible situation, and the and the officer Gutierrez got fired. We'll see if he ends up getting any charges for this, but he got fired because man, that is no way to handle this situation. That's terrible. And so, and I don't I don't know when he was fired. I just uh, saw that he was he was fired later on. Uh, lot. Right, so I know we're, we're getting <laughs> some comments about this. Uh, Brian says the video is sickening. Uh, and if he listed what's called in, he, he said it was a felony traffic stop. I don't know what that was. But but the police officers, Brian, you're right, have to tell him what he's suspected of. Uh, and Will said if lieutenant would have opened a door that was locked, the officer probably would have shot him saying he was reaching for something, door handle. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what he was worried about. He was he was, he was thinking about people like Philando Castile, which, if you remember, he was a legal gun owner who was shot by a police officer. He told the police officer that, like, hey, I have a, a firearm in the car, and, um, and I'm just going to show you my license, and he got shot for it. And that and that's what was going through this guy's mind, through, uh, through through the lieutenant's mind. Didn't want to get shot. Didn't want to look like he was being too you know, jerky with his motions. Terrifying, because this guy was, was on edge. The police officer was on edge. Didn't want to give him an, a, a reason to do that. And the disturbing part, and here, so... The, this is the part where it gets disturbing. This is why I brought up Flando Castile, too. Is that uh, apparently the the uh, the army officer here had had a, had a firearm in the car, which he is legally allowed to do. And there's some folks who are saying, "Well, he was asking for trouble. He had a gun in the car. The police, you know, should have well obviously need to be careful now that they know that there's a gun in the car." Okay, first of all, like they, they didn't know that the this guy didn't have the gun on him, and if you are a legal gun owner and this guy is again an active duty service man if you are a legal gun owner you have a right to have that gun in your car in a lot of situations right you can't go after the fact and be like oh you're asking for trouble if you have a gun in the car are you are you serious right now no you have a right to that self-defense you should have it should be more prevalent for people to be able to do that for legal gun owners to be able to carry their gun in their car and when you're doing so you shouldn't have to worry about getting shot by a police officer you shouldn't have to worry about the, the these folks afterwards, you know, saying like, oh, Philando Castile deserved to get shot because, you know, because of what? Because he had a gun in the car? Because the the police officer is nervous? I don't want that to happen to him. I didn't want that. what happened to that lieutenant to happen to any of you either, Philando Castile or the lieutenant. That shouldn't happen to you as a legal gun owner. That is a threat to your Second Amendment right. If, if the folks in the Second Amendment community... Are justifying this type of stuff. If they're saying, "Well, well, he had a gun in the car, and so the police officer had to act this way," no, the heck they didn't. They did not have to act this way. They did not have to violate this man's rights in justifying it after the fact. It's disgusting. Um. You, you I don't know. This situation riles me up again. It, it, it has to do with you know not not only you know a police officer was abusing his power. And I think that, that's part of an issue. But, but it's the Second Amendment side of this too. I, I would hope that the Second Amendment community would look at this situation and, and shut down the folks who are, who are making this, this justification for a police officer's actions uh, be, because this man had a gun in the car. An active duty service member, a guy who was serving his country. And he brought that up during the video. He like, hey man, I'm serving the country. Well, what's, what's the issue? You have a right to know why you're being pulled over, and you have a right to, you know, if, to, to carry your gun in the car too. You shouldn't have to fear for your life because that's happening if you are a legal, responsible gun owner. And anyone justifying that is not a friend of the Second Amendment. If you're taking the side of police officers who are violating your right over the Second Amendment, you are not a fan of Second Amendment. You're not. Period. Reexamine your priorities. And, you know a couple other comments uh, police officers need to uh, be the most cool in these situations too many of these types of videos making them worse uh, Brian uh, mentioned that there's another incident out in Iowa over the weekend I don't know about that one um, but yeah you know if you're a police officer like you should you should know uh, you know that you're gonna run to the folks who have a gun and you should be able to keep your cool in there in this in the police officer didn't know this this person had a gun in the car afterwards Um but police officers need to know how to deescalate these situations and not coming in saying that you're going to ride the lightning my goodness we need to get those people out now i there, there's a, a lot of police officers i support but like these guys like this i'm glad he's fired i you know i, I i'm curious to see if he faces out any other consequences of this but but these are types of folks we need to get out these are types of folks who are ruining relationships between police and the community so if that's that's the type of person you are, you're going to come in like that, man, i really like to see those types of police officers leave because I think they're they're ruining the reputation of police across the country. And I think that creates other problems. All right. So I think we exhausted that, but but thanks for listening here on A Free Solution. If you have any thoughts on that, give us a call, 585-346-3000. If not... I might move on to another topic next segment. But thanks again for joining us. We'll be back in a few minutes. This is Kevin Wilson, the host of A Free Solution. If you're enjoying this episode right now, you think that me and Larry Sharp are providing good content to you, I'd appreciate you doing us a favor. We have a Patreon now. If you go to patreon.com slash Solution, pledge to donate $5, $10 a month, just a, a few bucks a week, and this helps us create new content, hire better researchers, get better guests, and helps us stay on air, too, because it's not totally free to be on the air. Give $5, $10 a month to our Patreon, and as a reward, we also give you exclusive early access to some of our episodes and bonus content as well, stuff that you will no longer be able to find on the podcast. So go to patreon.com slash afreesolution to support our show and make sure that me and Larry Sharp can give you the best content possible. Thanks. A free solution. Welcome back to a free solution. We are live on WYSL, so we want to give us a call. 585 346 3000 Participate in the conversation. Appreciate all your comments online. Great discussion going on over there. So make sure you head on over to the Free Solution Facebook page and check that out. I'm gonna shift topics a little bit because I, I feel like I can only do like 15 minutes on this one. Now. I, want, I want I wanna dedicate a whole show to this, but but the Pete Buttigieg's... <laughs> Pete Buttigieg, I pronounce his name wrong, but uh, works for the Biden administration. Uh, had this quote said, "There is racism physically built into some of our highways." Okay, now I know this is easy to dismiss because, well, progressives call everything racist, every single thing, and and they do it so often and <laughs> with with so low of a barrier <laughs> that it, it's easy to just write this off as as progressives being clowns again I, I i get it but i think he's actually kind of right about this one now is he he and the biden administration do anything to fix that no no they're, they're not but let, let, let me let me make my briefcase for why Pete judge might be right that racism is built into our infrastructure and basically it goes like this a lot of the highway system that we have nowadays was built with overly enthusiastic progressive politicians going through and thinking they could engineer our society to fit their mold you know progressives at the national level you know who who had tried to do this over the years like like FDR and LBJ all the way down to you know the the mayors and governors who felt that well all we need to do are these massive projects that shape communities for our vision of the future which is you know around cars and it doesn't matter who gets in the way of that vision because we're going to come in here as big government and knock down anyone who stands up to us and you know we saw that play out in new york city with with robert moses you know we've seen it play uh going to play in rochester with the construction of the inner loop which is now being deconstructed uh and and Almost every city in the United States that has a major highway running through it uh, and has highways that were built throughout the city in the last 50 years, most of those highways came at the cost of black and Latino and immigrant neighborhoods. The neighborhoods that ended up getting torn down for these were sometimes thriving communities of African-Americans and other minorities, and you have to wonder why were those communities selected for this teardown. They were subject to, you know, landowners, uh, renters, uh, small businesses. They're subject to eminent domain. They had, you know, the, the way that the planners said this it was, you know, they were clearing slums, but oftentimes these are also healthy, thriving communities, but they they would brand it as clearing slums and build a highway through it just so, you know, you you could save some time traveling. There was an incredible amount of damage done to these communities. Once thriving places were now divided in two and had a noisy highway running through it, and these business owners didn't get the compensation they deserved, or homeowners didn't get the compensation they deserved, and their communities that had been built up over decades completely torn apart. They were squashed under the vision of progressive central planners. Now, again, I don't like how the left calls everything racist, but in this case, they are right. Progressive governments that built the highway system did not care about the individual. They did not care about property rights. They did not care about thriving communities. And they were perfectly willing to crush them to enact their vision. And they'll continue to do the same thing today. They don't care about your individual rights. What what matters is how do we, you know, improve the community as a whole. How do we, That's that's their framing, not mine. How 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 do we enact our progressive vision? And if we guys you know break a few eggs along the way, no big deal. Certainly, the same thing you saw in communist countries too, where they would enslave people, they would destroy the agriculture industry, they would do all sorts of terrible things to enact their ideology. Progressive just the, the lighter version of that, the less extreme version of that. We dress it up in, in, you know, nice language about improving communities. But now we have these massive highway systems, which, you know, in some cases, you know, they're, they're convenient. But it came at a great cost. Great cost to the, the type of people that progressives supposedly defend. in Black and brown communities. They were the ones who had to pay the cost for that highway system. And now we've built a highway system. In some cases, wasn't successful because they didn't consider the market forces uh, and the justifications for that. And in many cases, is now crumbling because the, the revenue that they anticipated being generated from highway systems in certain cities never materialized. So the state and local governments don't have the, the money to justify rebuilding the systems. And so now we're looking 50, 60 years later at the federal government to come bail them out. And that's what the infrastructure plan is now. It is doubling down on a bad system. So P. judge is right in his criticism. There, there is, there's literally racism built into the highway systems. That is, that is actually true. That's it's a good thing, but the way it was done is progressive central planning. Instead of recognizing that and recognizing the rights of property owners and individuals in these communities, the federal government is doubling down on their big central planning uh, ideas. We're just increasing the problem and we continue to do it and progressives do that all the time they do that in highways do that in gun rights too and that's kind of my point in the last segment too progressives who are enacting gun rights legislations don't don't understand that when it's enforced on the ground by police officers that oftentimes the subject of that enforcement of that increased enforcement for against people who would otherwise be legal gun owners is going to be also those communities that they are going on about how the police is targeting them. If you give the police new gun laws and you have legal, you know, black and brown gun owners, and you think the police are racist, do you think that they will use those laws against those same communities? Of course they are. But the gun laws serve the greater good. That's their. They don't care about the individual liberties that are being crushed in that process. And I'm bashing Democrats a bit here, but the Republicans will absolutely do that, too. They're doing that on trade policy. They'll do that and all sorts of stuff, or including you know when they let gun control legislation slide. No, just this one time. Just this one time. We'll let that happen for the greater good. No, it is important to make a stand at every step of the way, whether it's your homes being torn down for highways— remnant domain through your second amendment rights through your your rights to freely associate with people your rights to speech we need to constantly make that stand and not fall prey to the argument that well we can just violate this one right this one right even though you're not really hurting anybody, you're just you're exercising your negative rights we can violate this one time for the greater good nonsense don't give them an inch because they will keep going they will keep marching on and crushing you underneath their vision for a progressive society, so say that on gun control, on and, and on every issue, and I feel like I tied that nicely together today, right? <laughs> Ho- hopefully, you got that. But I uh, w- w- would love to hear your comments. Is racism built into highways? Am I being ridiculous? <laughs> am I falling into that progressive language? I don't know. I, I I think that this is the progressives telling on themselves here. They're they're telling on themselves and they're admitting that their vision for society harm people alright thanks again for joining us here on A Free Solution Uh, I will be back on Wednesday Larry Sharp will be in tomorrow make sure you tune in here to A Free Solution talk to you then